welcome along to the, the latest edition of the official Korean FC podcast with me, your host, Damien Mullen, and of course, by my uh, my sidekick, my loyal sidekick, Johnny McNabb. Um, Johnny, how do we find you this fine day? Hi, Grant. Been, uh, been off work all week, but uh, getting stuff ready for uh, for the uh, for the wedding. So I was in Glenarm, of all places, yesterday getting centerpieces for the wedding. And uh, I don't ever want to be in Glenarm again. That was a trek and a half, just, just where I was located. It was just mental. So, um, but I love the part of the world down there, obviously, Carnlock and, and everything else. So I getting there and um, I just glad to get a week off. Yeah, so never mind the football. That, that's, that's the real big match coming up uh, in the not-too-distant future for you, Johnny. Yeah, that's the that's the um hi hi so guy. Well, hopefully Korean can, can get me happy before then, and then go <laughs> take on the honeymoon and everyone else. So why it's all busy and all, all systems going until we get the, the big day out of the road. Very good. Well, here I'm delighted to say that <clears throat> we're joined this uh, today uh, this week's podcast uh, with I suppose one eye on the the trilogy of games that are coming up between Korean and Cliftonville. Um, we're delighted to say that we're joined by a guy that has experience of playing for both clubs and playing with distinction for both clubs, and uh, and that is Tommy McCallion. Tommy, uh, welcome along, and, and thanks very much for joining us this week. Delighted, Damien. I've, I've watched quite a few of the podcasts, so it's it's nice to be invited on, so much appreciated, lads, for that. I, and I was just thinking this morning, actually, that um, we've had a few people on the podcasts that have Korean Cliftonville links. We had uh, John Platt on at one time. Uh, Frankie Moffat was another. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yourself. I mean, there are a number. And Jody Tolan, of course, is another. There there are a number of players with with links to both clubs, aren't there? Yeah, even, even Quinner himself. So I think that sort of created a link and for myself. Because I, the time I left Corain, I had gone to Cliftonville, and then subsequently I had gone to to Derry City to Glen Torn, and then obviously back to to Corain. Then so M- Marty Quinn was obviously a linkage between between all of that, but not easy saying. But most of my career was with Corain, obviously, and then I had three really fantastic years at Cliftonville as well, which I think was probably. Um, a change in my career, you know, playing in Belfast and, you know, the significance of it. So both ex- the experiences, you know, really stay with me, Damien. Yeah, good experiences. And uh, Johnny, I mentioned there, Korean have three games coming up against uh, <laughs> Cliftonville. I think by the end of the end of March, Johnny, that will maybe be sick of the sight of the Reds by that time. Yeah, we, we had Carrick at the start of the season, three times uh, all, all away. Um, so... Yeah, um, it was weird because obviously we got through last Saturday and uh, I was waiting for the draw. And I said to you, Big Stevie, I was going to get comfortable. Um, just because when you when you look at the calendar, we have them obviously it's Saturday and then we have them in the well, the game will be now the fourth that's being announced today. The game will be the Friday night in BBC, and then um, we have them in the League Cup final the following Sunday. So yeah, the teams will be will be well versed and and they'll know everything about each other. And it'd be interesting to see how the teams line up in the three games. Whether teams play different formations, different players, and everything else. But you know, the three the three different games that'll be weird. Um, I sort of wish we probably didn't play them as as many times as well. Uh, but look, the games are usually tight between the two teams. There's usually only one goal between them, and and you and you think about it, it'll probably be the exact same overall three games. As a fan of, if you were to be offered. A win, particularly out of the three games, one win out of the three. Is there one that you would particularly want to win, Johnny? 
probably the League Cup in a way because it's a trophy, but I suppose Irish Cup probably one of our two avenues into Europe. Financially, probably the Irish Cup game, but then there's no guarantees you win that tournament either because you still have the Glens there, Larn are still on it, Balmina are still on it, Crusaders are still on it. So, yeah, probably the League Cup because it's a day out, it's a trophy and everyone else and, and the catalyst that it could bring. But again, I, I, listen, uh, you get it. Why, 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 why can't we win all three? You know, we're good enough and we've, you know, we've, we've, we've got a decent record against them, especially all the solitude. Um, I know we lost our last game up there, but I think our time in, in recent record, or so, our record up, up there isn't too bad. So, yeah, we'll just take, as, as a warm, we know, warm, um, better, probably better than anyone, Neil, just be taking it one game at a time. And he was quite there mind us on, on uh, Tuesday night that it's the league game on Saturday and that's only so focused that he's not worried about the, the two cup games so far. From a player's and a management point of view, it's not ideal playing the same team three times in quick succession. And how does that influence how you approach each of the three games, do you think? Probably the first thing, in, in a league like the Irish League, invariably it's a smallish league, so there's always periods, and it happened to me in my career, where you play a team a lot. From a player's perspective, I think Johnny said himself, you, you only look at the first game. And for me, because you're playing so, each other so much, I think systems nearly go out the window. It always comes down to personal battles. You, you have a rough idea who the fullbacks are going to be, midfielders and stuff. So I think a lot of it comes down to the personal battles at that stage. Knowing Paddy and Oren and how they approach games, Johnny said himself, they'll only look at one game. In the back of their head, they'll have a plan over the three games. I've no doubt about that. But a big emphasis will be on their starting team for the first game. I think it'd be very much about down to personal battles and momentum can actually build, you know, from that. So I'm sure either of the teams will be thinking Saturday is just so crucial. But if you ask me as a player or manager, which is more important, you couldn't really pick between them because there's a lot of significance, I think, for both clubs in terms of core aim on a trophy. Paddy's no different uh, at Cliftonville. League is so important. You look at core in recent seasons, you know, they've been really, really hitting in there. Paddy, from his point of view, has made progress at Clippenville, so he, they see European football within that. And not, no player manager is going to hide. The big day of the year is the Irish Cup final. So, Corey, look at recent years, the significance they've had with that. And the club will want to continue that. And then Clippenville have a history of, since the 70s, have not won in the Cup. So that's that's a monkey that's always been on Clippenville's back. It was there when I was there. with the infamous occasion of being thrown out of the Irish Cup final the week of versus Porter Down. And coincidentally, in the 10 days, or two weeks leading up to that, I think we played Linfield four times inside two weeks. Irish Cup League, uh, Cup replays and stuff like that. You know, and form just went out the window. Just that momentum, it just became real personal battles. And I think that's what you'll see over the next couple of games. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that you bring up the, the Irish Cup thing and it was something I was going to ask about you. And I mean, it's quite well known that, you know, Cliftonville supporters hanker after an Irish Cup win. It's been a long time and it almost is getting to the stage among the Red supporters at the field. There's almost like that curse almost with the Irish Cup now. Yeah. And you were part of the 99 team, I think, that didn't get to play in that particular final. Right. I was going to ask, when the Irish Cup game comes around, given how important it is to the, the Cliftonville supporters to win a Irish Cup, Will that increase the pressure on that particular game when they do play Corium? To be honest, it shouldn't in one way. If the players properly planned and organised, and I'm sure that the team will be, 
but the significance carries through from the club to the supporters and the history of it. And even in my time there, it was always something that was heavily talked about. I think the significance of the, the situation that we found ourselves in, it probably just adds to the width of, oh my God, we're never going to experience this. Because in that year in particular, at Clintonville, we had a very poor league campaign. But I think we were in two finals and a semi-final. In many ways, our cup football was excellent that year. Marty Quinn was the manager who had won it in 77, I think it was, with Clintonville. And Marty, even at Coleraine, the significance, and you know him as well as I do now, and you've interviewed him, Irish Cup meant so much to him. So I have no doubt it will carry that extra expectation. Coleraine should have momentum of recent years and the success of it. But it's just been an interesting year for me in terms of both sides, you know, um, both quite similar in their approach. Both managers are very organised, you know, they underplay in a good way their teams. I think a lot of it is private and, and in the house, you know. So for me, it's, it's an interesting, you know, matchup. But Johnny said something earlier. In recent years of looking at it from the outside in, Coleraine have a little bit of momentum against Clintonville. I know there's been some success for Clintonville this year. I think it's an interesting couple of games ahead. But for me, it's going to come down to that first game and trying to get, you know, that momentum going. It is. And, and Johnny, that first game comes this Saturday. You mentioned the, the first league game up there earlier in the season, and I think from memory, Cliftonville won 2-1. But as you say, there was very, very little um, between the two teams. And Corian went into Saturday's game on the back of a couple of really good performances and results, given the little bit of a blip that they had. Um, I mean, how confident do you think Corian will be going to Solitude? A difficult place to get a result this weekend. Yeah, obviously it's three runs in a row and three clean sheets as well, which is which is great. I, I looked at the league table last night and um, <laughs> funny, we were speaking in the podcast two weeks ago and we were sixth and a fair few points behind the teams in fifth and fourth, but we've really caught up with them. And, and I looked at the table as well. We're, we're 12 behind Cliftonville with the game in hand and, and it really is a six-pointer if you want to even have any in, in, in indications of catching Cliftonville, I suppose. So realistically, if we want to catch Cliftonville, we, we have to win on Saturday and it's probably a, and it's probably as simple as that. And, Clifton are good at home, and in the game away there, um, Warren switched it pretty early. We played the back three um, with Jarvey in the centre half, and and he, and he changed it. So um, it'd be interesting to see what he does. Obviously, we played a five against Lumfield, and then went back to a three, or sorry, I went back to a four against... Um, but on Tuesday night, we played that many games, I can't even mind when we, when we, when we played. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how we line up and, and everyone else. But yeah, the players should be confident. Um, we had a good win against O'Gannon. Um, players are playing very well, like Sir George Carson and Jarvey and everyone else. So yeah, why not? And obviously, Cliftonville, they had two really good grind out, good results away to Carrick. It always seems to be a grind there for them, but you know, they, they won both of them. Uh, and they'll be looking to, to try and keep the... the that they keep in tabs with Glentor and Lumfield also playing Friday night as well. So, you know, they'll be probably hoping for a draw there and then they beat us. So, look, yeah, we've probably, not not be nothing to lose, but I think probably more of the pressure will be for to try and keep tabs with, with the top two teams as well. But the Koreans still have a lot to play for in terms of a, of a highest league position that, that they can. Yeah, and Tommy, you, you made a good point there about Orn and Paddy being, being similar and, and in the way that they manage their clubs and their teams and, and they approach things. Um, I mean, how much credit do you think that both Orn and Paddy deserve, given the changing landscape in the Irish League now? You've got your full-time clubs like your Larne, Glen Torren, Linfield, etc. And there's been an injection of big money into the league as well. So 
the fact that Cliftonville and Corian, who are still part time, can compete at the top regularly. I mean, as as credit to the both the management, the players, and the clubs. It, it is. I think the landscape of the Irish League is definitely changing. Um, I think even for the teams that are full time, there's a bit of transition for them. It hasn't maybe gone as well or as quickly, and they haven't taken off away from all, all of the teams. So there's still that little bit of change. But over the next couple of years, um, I think for both Cliftonville and Corain, it's staying in there because success brings uh, money, European money. You know, that's so important to the clubs in order to retain the players that you have. But if you look at where they're at, they're both punching really well in terms of the league. They're, they're trying to stay as well as they can with it. It will become more difficult if the clubs and the league keeps developing the way that it is. But I think in many ways I've spoken before, credit in many ways to Corrine is the consistency of Oren's been there a long time. He's been able to build that momentum. He knows what he expects from his team. He's got, from what I can see, a really good rapport with supporters, with the players and with the management of the club. And I think that's really helped Corrine to stay solidified in many ways. And looking at what Paddy's doing at Cliftonville, I think the back end, the credit to Cliftonville, they've given Paddy his back end. He's a very strong backroom team. And I just like the feel of both clubs that, you know, how they conduct themselves in terms of their press management, in terms of um, their players. It's, it's done quietly. Um, it's done very professionally. And I've seen Corey a couple of times this year. And both teams approach their game like that as well. So for, from the outside looking in, both teams are doing quite well. But I do think the next couple of years is about trying to hang in there, Damien, because Lauren are heavily intent on progressing further. Um, listen, David Healy yesterday from, from Lumfield, he's unhappy at sort of inconsistency that they've had. They're looking at players that are really trying to take them to another level. When you see transfer fees at £100,000, you're thinking things are changing. You look at the pitch, the infrastructure, the training infrastructure, the business model of the clubs. Clubs are very much interested in going more full-time. And the more teams that do that, I honestly think the quality of the league is going to improve much more. I've seen that down south in the League of Ireland. You know, you look at the successes that they've had. I think Irish football is on, is on the march at the minute, Damien, north, north and south, I have to say that. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're right in what you're saying, Tommy, because I, I get the feeling that the likes of Larne and Glentorn, for example, two of the clubs that have had that financial backing, Linfield always have a, a certain degree of money there, but the Larne and the Glentorn, and I get the feeling that they're almost... Um, speculating to accumulate in terms of the money that they're spending within the Irish League and buying those players and investment. They look at European football then as that getting a return on that investment. And you could see the likes of a Glentorn and a Larn and a Linfield progressing through Europe. They've made sort of dents in the last number of years. And you know, Tommy, from, from Derry City's um, time in, the, in Europe, you get through a few rounds or into the group yeah. stages and you're into massive money and, and that's what they're targeting, isn't it? it? It is. And I think one of the best examples in recent years, and I am going back even when I was playing, Crusaders were the team that were getting consistently success every year, um, doing well in the league, doing well within cup football. So if you have three or four years, Damien, of European money, that's money in the bank. That means you can do development to your ground, to your squad and that momentum. You look at a team with Glenn Torn, uh, ever, even since beyond I had retired from football, the momentum wasn't there. It took them a long time to come back in because they didn't have the consistency of European money. So both Oren and Paddy, that won't you know, be lost on them that from the, 
from their model of developing the club, they need that type of success. To Johnny's earlier point, what's more important? You know, the European Irish Cup, European football makes such a difference. The league is going to get tougher and tougher, but you, you'll probably see like that separation of the top four or five. If you're trying to hang on to that, it's a difficult time for the clubs because you're thinking to yourself, do we try and invest a bit more and try and hang on to them or what do we do? But you know what? This year has probably proven that Cliftonville on their day, I've seen quite a bit on TV, Corey of the same. They can beat any of the teams. So I don't think the full-time football has made that big a difference because it's not a full-time league. We're all teams. So I think for a lot of the clubs themselves, they're probably just getting used to being full-time themselves. But I think you have to give credit to both those clubs for what they've done. Yeah, I mean, Johnny, Tommy mentions about European money um, and the investment in, in the clubs. And you only have to look, I guess, at what's happening around the Korean showgrounds to see that, that the European money that Korean have generated in the last couple of years is there for everybody to see in the form of a new pitch. Uh, and Oren has mentioned that uh, a couple of times in, in conversation to us that instead of maybe going and, and spending a lot of money on players, the proof of the European money is out there in the form of what the players are playing on. And that's exactly what Tommy's referring to. That money that you get from Europe helps the club in many, many ways. Yeah, you, you know, you, you go and say a player for, for 30 or 40 grand and you know, you might get 10 games out of them through injury or whatever, but you spend that money and put it on a, towards a pitch that hopefully will be there for, for over a decade. And, and you know, and, not, and a big thing for me is that, you know, the club don't train at the uni anymore. Everyone trains at the showgrounds. It's a hub. Everyone's there. It's like a community feel as well. And yeah, yeah you, you look at, I know Tom is at showgrounds earlier and, and he must have seen a big change as well. And, and hopefully that's just the start of it with the redevelopment plans and, and, and everyone else. And so, yeah, look, the European money's been great. The trips have been even better. Um, and I know the players have got an appetite for it and they'll take it back there again. And, and it's, you know, it's, and I, I think as well, you know, Corian and Larn and all the teams, to, be, to their credit, they actually aren't there as cannon fodder, so to speak, nowadays. They are getting results. You look at Corian a few years ago, look at Larn last year. Um, so and Lumfield were what a goal away from from the group yeah. stages of, of Europa League. So you know they only have to look at the dock and Charlotte Rovers in recent years to, to see how they you know progress in their group stage. So if somebody said to me in ten years, five or ten years time, would I be surprised to announce a team in the group stage of a European competition? I, I wouldn't be. You know, um, I think you know it's only going to be a matter of time, as Tommy says, and I've said it on the podcast before. One end teams just it just clicks, everyone clicks, they get used to this whole yeah. thing football and, and everything else. So. Yeah, um, European money is fantastic. The trips are even better, and, and hopefully we can we, we can get one this year. Uh, and and Tommy, I mean the Irish Cup, you were fortunate enough to to win it yourself. And um, you know, I think it was two thousand and four. You remember the Glentorn team that beat Korean in the yeah. final. Korean obviously had won it the year previously. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what what was your memories? Because obviously people talk about. Cup final day, both in England or at, at any country, it's it's the pinnacle or it's a day out. I mean, what, what was your memories of that day? At, even going back a step, Damien, I, any player, Irish Cup final is definitely the be-all and end-all. It, it, it always have been at that. Um, first experience of getting close to the final would have been with, with Cliftonville that year. And... Even this day, when you look back, it's strange that having this conversation that in the week of an Irish Cup final, that a team's expelled, you know, the Simon Gribbon affair, Simon made his debut in a semi-final replay. We had won 1-0. We'd gone, Linfield had a goal cancelled out in the 96th minute at Windsor Park 
and you're like, oh my god, you know, fortune fa it's favoring us, you know. And it, to, to that day, the night we had, we won that semi final, will live long in my memory. But I remember Marty Quinn ringing me on the say it was the Monday and saying, "Look, wee man, I know you're up tomorrow night to get your suit measured." And you're like, "Well, what's the story?" He says, "Look, don't be don't be coming up. It's looking like we're not going to be in the Irish Cup final." I think it's when I'm 22 or 23 at that stage, but had made the, the move to Belfast and obviously the whole history of Clemville and getting the Irish Cup final. And that'll always stay with me in terms of that. From a Corain perspective, or Glen Torn perspective, I know that the year previous, Corain had a bumper side that year and, and won. But even the likes of Roy Coyle, the Irish Cup meant so much you know, at, at the club. And then at Coleraine, obviously the disappointment of getting beat by Lumfield on a day that I think we did quite well, but maybe a little bit overwhelmed on the day and, and didn't perform. So highs and lows, but in many ways, you, you look back and you always remember the good stuff, but there's certainly moments there where you think where personally or the team as general, we could have did a lot better. And But in recent years, you've seen a lot of momentum from a Coleraine perspective. The Irish Cup has taken on quite significance. Johnny's just mentioned something, the players themselves, where it's just Europe, They've got a feel that they have the ability to get the finals. That's been missing a really long time within Corain. And, yeah. and that's the psyche of the club, which I think is changing. But I do think Corain at the minute are almost at that balancing point again of the psyche of, right, are we able to get to the next level again? Because you've been runner-up in the league, done well in cup football, some cup success. You know, where does it go next? You know, do you let the clubs run away from me? Or... And it's important to pick out even my last time up at the club. It's amazing to listen to the people around the club, the development committees that's there, the, the progress of the, the, the stadiums, the progress of the pitch. I hear a lot about the underage. Johnny's mentioned about the atmosphere. Having your whole club mentality training from the one environment, you'll probably not see that return for a couple of years, but that's going to massively help the club. And if I was a manager bringing a player to potentially sign, you have to start noticing those little things that are going on around the club and you have to say to yourself, Corain's a bigger club than, it, than it's been probably in a long, long time. So I think for someone like Oren now, you're selling a package, you know, not just the team itself. And I think all good clubs are a package. You know, you look at Lumfield, you look at Glen Torn, and I was fortunate enough to play at Glen Torn. The big package was sold very quickly to you when you went there. Derry City is very much the same. And I think that's where both Cliftonville and Corain yes uniquely because we're talking about those two teams at the moment that's where they've got to get to that's the level for me would i be happy at just being behind that no i just think the potential is there for both clubs to push on but, but i i think that's true and i think with patty and Orn, you've got two managers there that can sell that i mean you would know probably both very well i mean you played with patty um, you were in the 2008 Korean um, Irish Cup team together. I mean, well, what kind of guy is Paddy? I mean, because he was obviously a centre half. He would come across as reasonably quietly spoken, but I, I guess behind the scenes as a manager, there's a toughness there to him. I think there has to be any, any player that moves into that. You very quickly have to forget about what you were like as a player. You know, there's too many pundits now that like to carry themselves as players to pundits and management for me would be totally different you know and unless you've got your your players your committees your directors your supporters you're working with all aspects of the club so the manager needs to have the ability to do that what i like from both what i what i know of them is that they have a very professional approach to how they conduct themselves which i think is important 
talking to the players within both squads, they have a good, you know, a good rapport with the manager. So I think both of them have managed that well. Supporters speak highly of both managers. And the fact that the club are having a certain level of success means that things are moving in the right direction. Paddy, you know, I played with him at Derry, played with him at Coleraine. Paddy, a very professional, very organised, you know, very disciplined type of player. Oren always came across that anyway. And I think they've tried to see that into their management. But the thing that really stands out for me is that um, their players themselves, you know, you hear them talking on post-match interviews and stuff. They speak highly of the club and the manager. And I think they run very tight professional ships. And that's from the outside looking in. I haven't been privy to what they do. But both of them stand out for me like that. And I think, but you know, both of them are, are, are performing quite well. Is there ability for more? I think that really comes down to the clubs themselves. Do they want to push on Damien and Johnny to the next level? I think both of them have an interesting couple of seasons ahead for them. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, from what I know of Paddy, <clears throat> excuse me, when he played at Korean and now as a manager, he he is everything that you just said. And of course, working at close quarters with the Warren for quite some time, as Johnny and I have done, you can see that over that period of time, it's Orn has taken control of the whole club, not just that first team, if you like, you know, and looking after that. He has the overarching view of where the club is going, much like what you're intimating in terms of yeah. where that club, where you want to go. Um, all to do with the improvements to the ground, the changing rooms, the players' facilities, uh, even so far as the pitch. And and, and it's not just for cosmetic reasons that Oren wanted that 4G, 3G pitch. Um, I think it was after the, <clears throat> the Irish Cup defeat of One Mill Stars when they won 6-0. <clears throat> and Oren had mentioned that if that game had been on the previous, the old Korean pitch, that would have slowed the whole pace of the game down. Yeah. And that would have stood at windmill stars because Korean liked to move the ball quickly. And that's what Oren had. That's, that's his vision um, of getting a pitch that can do that for his team, the changing rooms for his players. And I mean, that's something, Johnny, that you've probably noticed the same as I, that Oren takes... A say and everything that goes on at the Korean. Yeah, um, and I think the club are delighted to do that because of how meticulous he is and, and his record and track record and, and everything else. And I think there's no secret around the club that Orn probably doesn't know. We just, I mean, you know, it reminds me a bit of like you always hear the United stories of like Fergie finding out something that happened. Um, and I suppose that's probably the same with, with Orn. I think he finds out everything, but you know, it's good that Orn is that focal point. Um, as well, you, you look at the success that he's had and the rapport that he has with the players and the fans that are at us. And, and yeah, you know, like Oren obviously or left to go to St. Mern for a year, and you know, and just, just things just didn't work out for, for Korean at that stage. And Oren came back and things just went like that. So, yeah, he's a central figure to the club, and the pitch and everyone else has, has been down to the hard work of the, of the club, both on and off the pitch, in terms of you know, the European and reinvesting the money and, and everything else. So, yeah, long may it continue. And I, I know Oren's. You know, big in with the academy as well and, and everyone else. And, and yeah, I just don't know how he, how he has the time and uh, <laughs> the time and the patience uh, as well as doing a teaching job as well. So, um, yeah, look, it's yeah, the club is going from strength to strength and, and we have good people around the club and long may it continue. Tommy, you know, we're talking about all the changes at Korean. You, you mentioned that you were at a game recently and that you'd noticed a lot of changes around the place as well. And I'm looking back, I was reading a little just a bit about yourself before you come on here today, um, and you look back 
to your initial times at Corian, and it seems probably to you a lifetime, two lifetimes ago. I mean, I was reading that when you first came. I mean, what age were you, Tommy? You were only like a boy, and you used to get an early bus from Derry down to Corian. I mean, yeah. Can you can you believe that you actually did that? <laughs> well, I was, I was saying to John, I, I suppose I'm a I'm a stage of life where I look back a lot in, in a very positive way. And there's many things you could get into a conversation, Damien, that things that happened, weren't happy with, you know, and there's things you always remember. But I always try and think back to the real positive stuff that happened. And, and I really took the, the, you know, those aspects with me. And I know I've said it numerous times. The one part, there's many people which I'll give credit to, in particular, my father at that time. You no, know, and it just brings back memories of Victor, losing Victor this year, you know, and the significance of that. But I didn't know when my dad put myself and my brother up to Corrine. I was 13, Sean was 16. It's unheard of that you have a kid at 13 running around, you know, a first team pitch. But I said to Johnny earlier, I just really wanted to be that person. You know, my whole life had been obsessed with, with football. And at the time, my brother Sean was playing in the youth team at Corrine. Victor was the youth team manager, played in the Milk Cup in that. My dad had known Victor a long time. Our first, and I've said this many times, I think 82 Spurs came to Corrine. That was the first senior game I was ever at. It's not, not, a bad, not a bad one. No, it's not. And I remember where I stood. I remember who was with. My uncle was with me. My dad was with me. But it had no significance to me because I didn't know how we ended up there. In later years, you find out Victor had always been in touch with my dad. My dad had sent players to Corrine that no one had heard of. He always had kept this relationship. My dad had played in Corrine when he was younger, had moved to Derry. And unfortunately, my dad was in a bad traffic accident and, and lost a leg as a, as a young person. But he'd retained a, a contact with Victor for many years. And that's how we ended up there. So from ages 13 through to 17, I'd seen a big change over the club. Ian McFall was the manager. Colin Lila came in. Eric Boyer and uh, Billy Sinclair was there. Felix had come in. You know, a lot of change over those those were those those were mad days, Tommy. Weren't and they? I have to say one of our earlier points: why I think Corrine and why I think Clitheville are improving. There's a consistency of a manager there. There's a yeah. vision which you have talked about. I believe in hindsight, the player that I was then when I look back, any potential or ability that I had, if you had a very settled team and you're in a dressing room at ages 13 to 17, I was forced. I made my competitive debut at 16. But I was playing pre-season friendlies at 14 and 15. You know, I remember them vividly. I remember uh, Billy Sinclair putting me on against, I think it was Dundee United or something. It's unheard of. So in many ways, I look back at that. and that, But where I think that didn't help Corian at the time, you know, I can go from Ian McFall right through to Kenny Sheens. Seven, eight managers inside six or seven years. That doesn't help any club to, to no. settle. But I could focus on there's things that maybe weren't right. But for me as a person... Two or three nights up a week in the, in the, the minibus or the train. And then I played on a Saturday with Cologne as well. So I, I, I think in some ways I became part of the fabric of the town, not just the club. I got to know the town really well, you know, and the people that were around it. And I think probably where that's where Corey and all of had that significance to me because I can openly say there's periods in my career I didn't want to leave the club, but you had to move on. It's neither here nor there. I've gone back on three occasions. I've really enjoyed my time there. And look, the way I always sum up Corrine, Damien, is when I go back, how I'm spoken to, how I'm treated, and that little bit of respect, which I've always had back towards the club, you know, I'll never, I'll never lose that. 
It was fantastic the last game that I came up to. Just the way you were welcomed, the way they made my father feel when he came in and just small little things that happened on the day. And, and what I will say, that doesn't happen, Johnny, at every club. I've played at, people may say big clubs. Sometimes when you go back, sometimes that welcome is not necessarily there, but there's three clubs in particular, no matter where I go. If I talk at um, Corain, Clintonville and Glen Torn, there's three clubs that you're treated that you're not saying you were anything special, but they respect the fact that you were a player at the club. And, and for me, that's what comes out of Corain now, that little bit of respect that's maybe given back to previous players, which I think they have to build on. Because that, for me, that builds the club the mentality of a community club, which I think Corian has got to uh, keep. But for me, those early years were whirlwind in many ways. You know, I'm mentioning people like Bertie Peacock, you know, Ian McFall, Victor Hunter. But, you know, in particular, you know, Victor's had one of the most legacy impacts on myself, I have to say that, you know. But that comes from people like that taking a chance on you when you're 13. The height of the troubles at that time, I'm not yet... And a Catholic coming from Derry to Corain, where you're treated with the utmost respect, religion meant nothing at the club. You know how we were treated and how we all get on as players. And in that period, there was a three-year period where we won two youth cups and a George Wilson. I would challenge any other Corain team to go back and find a youth team that had that level of success. But with the changeover of management, quite a lot, a lot of players who had to potentially do well at Corain never had that because a new manager comes in, Johnny. They have a new way of doing things. They look at things differently. So those are probably opportunities and things you'd remember. But I have to be honest, you know, the fact that I've gone and come back to the club in several times maybe just says to me a bit more about what I felt for the club. And I was always fortunate enough to go back again. You see, Johnny probably Tommy too young to remember. He that. is. He did remind yeah. me of that. Too. <laughs> so but, I, but I, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm old. I am old enough to remember. I remember. I, well, Johnny, I said to Johnny yeah. earlier, I said, my conversations with you are going back a long long time so they are but when you messaged me yesterday i was like that's 32 years ago that i went up there uh, 32 years ago flat me that doesn't seem right does it, it, it doesn't you know and i think the train left Derry at 10 past eight on a saturday that's crazy tommy i was standing in the showgrounds victor would come and get me he would go to his house then he'd go to ian mcfall's house then he would go and see Barry peacock and i was like tagging along because he had nothing else to do with me <laughs> then I'd go and play for Killowan and then go back to the club and if the club needed someone to strip out and be a sub I was the sub then I was like the 14th or 15th player and that and Victor always had me around the club and when I look back now you know that's a very significant and very special time for me because it's just it's where you're what would you say that's your apprenticeship you know when they yeah. see football and I've seen it quite early well, well, it's a pretty good apprenticeship. I mean, you're just reeling off some names there, and those names are legends yeah. in the game. Not just at Corian, but legends in, in, in Irish football, Northern yeah. Irish football, whatever you want to call it. You know, Victor, Bertie Peacock, Ian McFall, all like bona fide massive, legends. Massive and, yeah, and, and Johnny, your dad would have been around at that time, so I would guess, though you weren't there, you're familiar enough with the club. Um, but even just somebody like Tommy, he mentioned there was during the troubles, you know, you're coming down, you're getting on a, a train at eight o'clock in the morning as a 13-year-old. I would hazard a guess, there's not too many 13-year-olds would be doing that sort of thing nowadays. 
Yeah, you literally just took the words out of my mouth. Would you all need a broke there? Uh, probably just a generational thing. I can't see too many 13-year-olds uh, waiting to get a bus or a train up the, the Korean and they, they play football. But that's what Tommy decided to do. And obviously, good people are around him. And, and in terms of that was his apprenticeship. And you look at the career that he had. And the also thing, you know, that the welcome that he had at the showgrounds was really, really nice to hear. I know the club have been working hard to bring back um, guests and stuff at the club who've played. Um, and they're you know, with Jimmy, Jimmy Chang-Smith, who scored an Irish Cup final, Michael Guy, and Ivan Murray. Um, so we had an Irish Cup final last week. The boys, they all scored in a final as well. So, yeah, look, it's good to see people who played for the club. And, like, ah, check it out, I read about him, or, yeah, he scored that goal and stuff. Yeah. So, so it's, it's weird because a generational thing, it's people who I've probably read about or heard about, whereas maybe if like a Damien or like my dad, I actually seen him play. So it's more of a generational thing. But it's great to see you know different players come back and everyone else. And, and Damien's reminded of his few grey hairs there and his, his head. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny, like you, you do remember things, but like when Tommy puts a, a figure on it, like thirty-two years, I think it just brings back just how long ago it was yeah i yeah. trend not to, to to think about things i got told me yeah, but i i'm insanely youthful all the time and i've always had that nature that you know hyper type of uh, you know way of approaching things but i think i probably got this stage maybe in person or in in, in real terms in life that you, you look there's you remember the good times yeah. Damien. You're, you're very very thankful for the place that you've been, the environment Absolutely. that you've been in, and the relationship that you've built up over time, very easy as a person to get down that rabbit hole and focus on the negative things. And there was many, you know, as a, as a father of three kids, as someone who spends a lot of time um, uh, in a fitness environment or and, and knows a lot of players, football can be a very negative environment. And those are the bits that maybe, maybe sometimes as journalists, you see that. But a lot of supporters don't see that there's times that are very negative and very hard to cope with. But those are the things that make you the player that you are. So when you talk about Paddy's at downtimes in his career, Oren's at you know at downtimes, that'll make them more resilient managers. They should understand their players a lot better. And I think that's the one thing that comes out for me from both of them. They have a really good appreciation. They remember themselves as players. I'm sure they remember those experiences. And I think they're quite demanding as managers. And you talk with someone like Oren. I would like to think that managers get involved in clubs now. They want to be over all the details of the club because you can only understand the club by knowing everything that's going on. If you can match that then with your first team, you can match it with results. You know, that's where things become exciting. And that's where I think Corian in recent years have really risen. You know, the success Corian's had in recent years is, be is better than it's been in a long, long time. When's it's more consistent, season? isn't it? It, it, it? it certainly is. I don't remember a period of it. No. I, I really don't. You know, I remember... Kenny Shields had season, season and a half from first division to the premiership. Um, Felix had done quite well and then it moved on to Derry City. Um, Marty Quinn had a couple of years where they were doing quite well, but there's more Irish Cup and Cup success. I, but to do I, quite well in the league has always been that big challenge. You know, the last real time that Korean probably had a similar period of consistency and challenging for the league and for trophies would have been Jim Platt's era uh, around been, yeah. the, the mid that's mid 80s, uh, mid -80s yeah. I think Korean finished maybe runners up to Linfield two three occasions in yeah. the league won quite a lot of uh, trophies and that was a very very good side but that's how many years ago mid 80s that's about 40 50 years ago I mean that's yeah. how far you have to go back to a, a comparable period of time yeah it, it, it is and even the names there you know that you know Felix by 
Barry McCready, Eugene McNutt. You're saying, I'm thinking the Derry players at the Ke- Kevin Mahan. Kevin Mahan stuff as well. So all big players, good players, but never quite got there. So I think Corain are definitely on that, you know, that precipice of where, where did he go from there? You, you mentioned the Derry players and there's always been a, a quite a, 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 a quite a big link between Korean and Derry City or Derry, the, the, the town, yeah. uh, in terms of, of players. I mean, the, the amount of Derry players that have starred for Korean is yeah. huge. I mean, what is the reason for that, Tommy? Is there a link there between their clubs? You're, you're probably talking, if you're mindful of the times that we've lived in and the legacy of the Troubles and the history of Derry, you know, being thrown out of the league and the significance of that. In many ways, Corain as a club, forget the politics of it, you know, Derry City players had somewhere to go and still play football. The club itself, nothing was ever held against the, the players or the town. And in many ways, we were treated better at Corain than we were at, at other clubs. And I can go back a long line of players who I know when we talk will always say that. That's, I'm not saying this because I'm on a podcast, I'm speaking to you. You know, I go... I go back to Paul Carlyle. I'll go back to players even beyond that. And they'll always talk about their time at Corrine, however short period or long it was. And I think that's the significance of the two towns, that the Derry players always felt part of being at Corrine, always proud to, to be there. I think in many ways, we just looked at it almost as our, as our second home club. you know. But for, for me, it, it was different because of the amount of time that I had spent there. Not necessarily always in the first team, but your association with the club is a, is a long, long time. And it's impossible not to have that, Damien, and not have something, a rapport or an affinity, you know, mm-hmm. with the club. And, and that's why I suppose it's nice doing this today. It's been nice to be back at the club. It's been nice different times the last couple of years, been up around the club again. So, you know, I, I don't underestimate it in any way. And, and that link continues, <clears throat> excuse me, even to this day, um, Johnny, and, you know, you only have to look at the the, 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 the dairy influence in the current team and, and nowhere, nowhere more so than the captain, Stephen O'Donnell yeah, and yeah. a number of others, Johnny, and that goes right back. And we mentioned the likes of Felix Healy, like Felix is still regarded probably by a lot of people as Korean's best ever player. Yeah, the links between the, the two teams and the, the two clubs and the, and the two towns as well. You know, seems to be growing, and you know, and I, I think I said this in the podcast a few weeks ago. Felix Gilly was at the showgrounds, and people were just looking at him as if it was God. Basically, <laughs> like, is it? There's a fellow in the stands, just like I know this isn't a video, but his mouth was open, just pointed at his name. Was that Felix Gilly? It was just like I, Felix Gilly, I, you know, that sort of way. So, yeah, and you look at our captain, obviously Stephen O'Donnell's there, and Jarvis there, and um, you know, Marty Gallagher's there, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a few as well. And then you look at the cup final, Darren McCauley scored the first goal for us in the Irish Cup final as well. Um, a goal that I live long in the, in the, in the memory. So, yeah. yeah, look, we've plenty of players from, from both, from both, and, and long may it continue because you know, if they're not getting full time football at Derry or not playing for Derry, you know, Korean's probably what an extra 20, about half an hour down the road for them as well. And yeah. Ben Dockery then moved on to full time football back with, back with Lauren. So, yeah, it always seems to be, always seem to get good players from, from Derry. And then, <laughs> Tommy, you know Felix probably as well as anybody. Probably played for him, under him for a couple of teams. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> what a man. <laughs> he, he, look, from my point of view, from I made two debuts, professional debuts at Corain, um, at Derry City. Um, Felix is probably, as a player, you know, pe- people can't, you can't see beyond that, you know, World Cups, 
Um, it's significant to Corian at the time. Corian were punching at the time where Lumphy were so dominant. So they were, and Felix always stood out as one of those players. As a dairy lad, Felix was always the one person that people talked about, you know. But again, I'm trying to keep this positive. You know, Felix is a manager. There's things maybe I would be critical of. There's experiences that I had that I would be critical of. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, the, them days have moved on. You know, Felix as a person has had a, fa- a fabulous football career. He's done quite well as a manager as well. But Johnny just said, how you know is when you go back to clubs and how, how you're treated. You know, Felix is treated like a like a god of Corain. You know, he knows he knows that himself, but he's earned that right, hasn't he? You know, you look at the career that he's had. You know, you just I just can't help thinking. You know, you we mentioned Felix and we mentioned Marty, and you have had the pleasure and the, the privilege of working with some legends in the game as well, because you yeah. had Roy Coyle, Felix, yeah. Marty, and the list goes on. Tommy, really, doesn't it? I mean, Victor, I guess you took. A little bit of something from each of them, did you, as you went through your career? Definitely. Um, I think in many ways there'll be low moments in your career where you're you have to question yourself and dig deep. I think those are the strongest moments that make you the type of player that you are. I think from each of your managers, good, bad, or indifferent, there's key lessons from each of them. But I, I could probably sit here for the next hour talking about individually each of those managers, you know. But you mentioned some like Marty Quinn, you know. Let's not underestimate the impact that he had at Corain. I think Corain always wanted to be that bigger club. Marty was the first person for me that set that train in motion. He expected more of the club. He was attracting a level of player that maybe wasn't being attracted there for, for a long time. So I think where we're Ornat in many ways is, is a progression from there. You know, but I think Marty Quinn had a massive significance on, on the direction where the club is, is definitely gone. So it has. But Marty, I my experience at Clumville is very much different than my experience of Marty at Corain. My experience of Felix at Derry is different than the one that, do you know what I mean? My experience that's, with Roy that's, Coyle, that's, it's, it's mad. That's that's I football think time, back, isn't it? it is. And it's 30 years of, I would always try and focus on, on the, the pauses that come from it. You yeah. know, and, and I look back and there's there's many. The only, probably, the only regret I'll have is probably, is from a Corain perspective, finishing playing football at 35. In my head, 34, 35, much too young, right? But I think once I left Corian at that time, I think probably me as a player just felt that, you know, this is where my heart was. And it had such an impact on me that I just, my interest in football just left after that. And that's a big statement for me to say. Anyone would know me would know that yeah. football was everything to me, Damien. And how that happened, you know, probably had such a significance that, I, I don't think I watched football for about four years afterwards. I never. I was going to say because I had read somewhere that when you finished, then you just sort of cut ties almost with football and didn't watch or listen to any of the games. I, I, I didn't. And with respect to Nure, I'd signed for three months. And I think it was out of, and I don't mean this in a disrespect to Nure. I just wanted to play football to see. But I, I think I knew at that time that me as a person, as a player, you like to play for something that means that much to you. And when I was in Corain, it always meant that. Probably what was difficult was the nature of it. And when I look back, you mentioned certain managers, you know, I remember getting released from Glen Torn. It was never nice. But I remember a manager calling me in and saying, look, with, with respect to you, this is Roy Coyle. He says, fantastic person, great attitude. You mightn't play as much this year. I'm giving you the option. So I moved on. But no player in hindsight of the history of the game should get a text message when he walks off a plane with his family on holiday. People can do their deductions from that. But 
that's a, those are the things that show lack of respect. Do I expect those things to happen now? No, I don't. But if you talk, obviously, the podcast chatting to me, that's probably the significance of where I was at that age. But I did. I removed myself, Damien, from football. That's how much it had a big, big impact on me um, mentally and physically. But that's not the person I am now. And no, I was going to say, I was going to say, Tommy, where are you now? Because I know that you'd, you'd stopped watching it and then you had your young, you had your family and you yeah. were concentrating on, on taking, on, on looking after the family and enjoying time with the, your children. Yeah. Uh, where are you now in terms of watching, listening and taking part in football? There's not, well, I listen to BBC Ulster every Saturday. It's mad to think that that's, that's become my Saturday. Uh, my life is obviously in different directions yeah. now. I probably watch more as much football as I did back then. I enjoy it with my two sons. You know, one son's 19, the other's 14, my daughter's 16. So I'm fortunate enough I've had the last 10 years to really connect with my family again because back then, if a manager had said to me, Damien, you need to be in the Korean showgrounds five days this week, I'd have been in the showgrounds five days and it wouldn't have battered an eyelid. But and your family would have suffered because of it. It, it, it did, you know, my, my three kids at a, at a young at the end of that career. But you know what? Very, very, very blessed with what I have at the minute. But I'm more in touch with the football now than I've ever been. I'm glad that I've come full circle into it. I've probably realised that I missed the game that much. But it took a period of maybe, what do you say, grieving yourself that you've moved on from yeah. it. Now I can listen to the radio, I can watch, I can talk football. And I'm really appreciative of where I'm at, you know, just as a just as a person. I'm very blessed with what I do. I'm very blessed with the people around me. So I have to really focus on the good things that I took from the game and probably the one that really stands out. It's just the people that you met, Damien, and, yep. the, and the places and the people that you spend time with. Uh, you know, I, I've, you often hear and you, and you see and you hear about sports people and there's this thing that they say that, the end of the career it's not the medals that they've won it's the memories and the yeah. friends that they've made along the way and that's seems to be kind of what what you're saying as well well tommy it, it is and look invariably as a, as a former player you meet former players all the time you know there's this strange phenomenon now of called legends and i always <laughs> use the term very loosely that gary city has a legends team glenn torn and they're what they do in terms of their charitable work, is fantastic. And I've been involved with both. I've been up at the showgrounds a couple of years ago where there was a, a charity game for, for suicide prevention. And those are wonderful things to be around. <clears throat> You're chatting the end of the players. It's so funny, Johnny. It's stories that you remember. Do you remember that? Do you remember that there? And every dressing room from every manager, you can remember stories. But every player, the overriding thing that they'll miss is that 15, 20 minutes before training, after training, and the same for, for the match, you know, everything else you can look back on and say, okay, highs and lows, but it's definitely, look, I'm, I'm laughing to myself, there's certain players, even my last stint at Corrine, you just think to yourself, oh my God, it's just so funny, you know, and there's characters that stand out, and and that, that's the positive side, maybe now with social media, is that you get to stay connected with people, but it's something I was thinking about today when I knew it was coming on, I don't envy players that play in, in the the environment now where social media is so pervasive because for me, the gratification of young people, well, as young players is, how does my photographs look? How was my performance? How did supporters think that I did? Now, when I played, I don't mean this badly, I didn't care how the supporters, because for me, it was about how I felt that how well I was doing, but they've got that added pressure now where they th you know that's 
it's so immediate reactions how you think you've done so i think players themselves have had are having to grow stronger even now because they have that whole background of doing and I'm, I'm actually glad that we didn't have it and i mean that in a funny sense that no i there's, I, I, no, I, I, there's I, no record of half the things that you know yeah. that would do but I, I bet you there's plenty of former teammates of yours and players that are glad there wasn't social media <laughs> around as well. i'm um, not even going to mention them but you, there you, was you can ask Kurt Zuma about that next time you see him. But um, <laughs> but Johnny, it's 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 very uh, enlightening to hear Tommy talk and, and just about his own experiences and about calling time in his own career. And I think sometimes as, as journalists and supporters, we tend to forget that footballers are human beings as well. You know, we look at them and, and they go out and they perform on the pitch and we expect them to, to play well every week and without fail and when they had a bad game. The people on social media give them a bit of a hard time and it's interesting because Tommy talks about when he finished how hard it was for him to adjust and you can see that even I suppose today you know you look at the likes of a Stephen Douglas who played till he was 42 and, and Skinner who's playing at 38 and you can see that they still want to be part of a team and, and an environment where they're playing competitive sport for as long as they can and and I suppose giving up and, and, and quitting something like that must be so so hard to do. Yeah, because, you know, we, we spoke that, that Tommy first came to the club at, at the age of 13, so it was born with him. It was like a, it was like another, it was like a life within a life in terms of football. And, and I suppose, you know, he, he, he opened up about his struggles playing and it just shows you that he cared about it. And he cared about Corey and he cared about his career and he wanted to, you know, stay in the game for as long as he could. And unfortunately, things just didn't work out like that. And I think, you know, Listening to Tommy, and I hope they might be saying this. I think maybe ending the, at that stage probably gave him a bit more family time with, with his children and everyone else. So it all didn't work out as you know, to, totally bad, if you know what I mean. And, and yeah, it's weird. Like obviously, I'm not from a sporting background in terms of playing regularly at, at any football team or anything like that there, so I can't really. Um, but I suppose it giving up something or, or the end of your career in terms of something you've given so much to is, is obviously going to, be, going to be very, very difficult. And, and yeah, but I suppose you look back at the, the career that I had playing for one of the big two club involved there, eh? Poor aim. So it all didn't work out too bad for you, for, you, for you, Tommy. I think a lot of people no, would have no, loved that I just, career. I just think the challenge in all of us as we progress in life is yeah. that you have to try and find that positivity in everything that yeah, you're doing. Yeah. You know, and, and very much, I hope that's one of the changes within a football environment as, as managers and coaches that we start to pick up on that. One of the loneliest places to be is injured or not involved, you yeah. know, as players. And you really think back to those periods and, and we have to become smarter in how we do that. We have to become better at that parachute landing. And what's probably hard for someone like me or others that technically in their head may say they, they finished playing a little bit too early is that when you make decisions, that you make a decision to stop playing or you make a decision to say that it's a little bit easier, but football isn't that. So I think very much it's around how we manage people and, and how we manage players. And there's things that, yes, it can be improved, but we've talked about two managers here. I think they've had those experiences. Yeah. They tend to stand out, Johnny, as two people that seem to have that ability to communicate with their players. They keep it in-house. I don't hear a lot of things coming out of dressing rooms, which I think is vital. You know, I've been involved in clubs where supporters knew on the Saturday night what was being said on the Saturday, and those things don't seem to be happening with the two clubs in particular. I'm delighted to see that, quite proud to see that both clubs have become become like that and that's probably the reason why they're hanging in there because i think the the vision for both clubs 
is to be is to develop from from where they're at. So from the outside looking in, I think both clubs are on a very very good footing at the minute. I, I do as so, well. And I just when sorry, to, or Johnny, sorry, I just when you were talking there, I just thought something. They're both very proud clubs too, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah. You know, and that is what you're saying that they keep everything in house, but there's a a belligerence and a pride within the two clubs that, that it seems to be more manifest now than it has been for quite some time. But I, I think for me, Damien, is it there are two community clubs. Yeah. You know, very proud of yeah. where they come from. Absolutely. The people are quite proud and, and in many ways they're working class communities as well. Yeah. And that may sound might sound be quite grand a statement, but no, no, for working true. class areas, your club has a major significance. You know, Johnny Wong with his dad, you know, I'll go back 30 odd years ago when I was there with my dad. And so clubs meant something. It was part of your psyche that you work during the week and you go to be part of something. Well, it, the club was doing well. You were still there. You know, obviously I grew up at a time when Derry City really coming back into the league. So Corain became that in many ways for me. But you got a sense of what it meant to the, and Clippenville, I have to say that as well. It's a big part of the psyche of, of North Belfast. Where Corain is the exact same. The Ballycastle Road, the Cologne, the areas around it. The club is a major significance. And that's why, for me, seeing the, the, the wider club developments is so important. I get this sense now that there's maybe a thousand parents coming to that club a week with their kids, wearing Corain training gear, being part of something. Take that five-year-old who's suddenly becoming 14 and 15. Might necessarily be playing, but he wants to be around that club. So this is the bit that I think if the club manages this well now, the identity that the club's going to have with the town is bigger than it's ever been. I think we should have a business-like approach to it. What does that look like in 20 years' time? And as long as the club can match a little bit of success to keep that momentum going, because let's be honest, as football fans, we're all very fickle. You've seen this season alone for Corain, high to low to high, you know, that nervousness kicks in. So it's important that we keep building on that there. And I think if we can match a level of success on the pitch with what's going on at Corain off the pitch, great people around it. It's an exciting time ahead. I think sometimes you have to look five, ten years down the road, Damien, to, to plant those seeds. And I think I, you do. I really hope for Corain that that happens. I just think personally it's a club that I'd love to see a I don't care where the captain comes from that they left the league trophy and, you know, they give that back to the supporters. And, you know, I, I really do hope that happens. Right, Tommy, we, we've had uh, Boise on, we've had Roy Patterson on, and we've had Stephen Dilley on. And uh, one of the, my favourite season watching Korean was 2009-10. Crazy, um, Yeah. <laughs> can, can you, and I've asked this to all three other guys, so I'm going to ask you the same question. How did that team finish seventh in the league and uh, I'm not win anything? What? There was things that were wrong that in hindsight you look back. You can't have two strikers that scored the goals that we have. You can't have a creativity that did what we did. You know, and it's not about blaming defenders, not about blaming attackers or anything else, but something had to be wrong within the dressing room that year for it not to work. I'm sure different players will have different opinions on that. But if you're going to go back any period, you remember going to the Oval and one and four and five, going to Windsor, going to Crusaders. We relished in going to the bigger clubs, but you can't then go to Dungannon and Uri and then get beat. So for me, if you looked at that and that was Man United or Liverpool, Johnny, you're going to go, the attitude's just not quite right there. And that for me is what's going to come down to that year. As a team, we didn't gel well enough that we 
we're consistent enough in all our performances. You beat the Blues one week, you've got to go and beat Institute the next week. You beat Institute, yeah. you've got to go and match Core, you've got to match Glen Tonnet. And we didn't do that. So for me, there was something missing. And that's not one person's or one player's, but collectively from manager to coaches to players, we were hit and miss that year. But I'm sure anybody that watched that club at that time was going, oh my God. See, there's moments that season that you're thinking, what are we watching here? Do you remember going to the Oval? Some of the finishes that day and you're thinking, same at Windsor Park, same at Seaview that year. Yeah, uh, it was you a weird You can't not be frustrated and go, how did we not? Because the talent in that team that year is as good yeah. as any team that you'll watch currently at the minute. Yeah, like, because we, we went through, obviously, we say in Paris and up front, you know, okay, and Toya Kai in the middle, and Stephen Dilley and Stephen Carson in the right. And you Garth Thomas. And you Garth Thomas. Garth Thomas was excellent that year too, yeah. as well. Yeah. So he was. Like, yeah, that, and Garth, I think Garth Horton was there too. So like, going forward, how you, you know, it's just uh, crazy. It blows my mind, yeah. even to this day. Like, even to this day, that, how that, yeah. how that um, thing. Unfortunately, it, the collective wasn't right. Yeah, yeah. If you said to me now, why are Corain performing better? Why are Clintonville performing better? It's the sum of the parts. Exactly. The, yeah. the collective has to be more. So for me, that comes down to your, your preparation, to yeah. your training, to your intensity. To Mentality. You that to matches. Uh, a lesson for any young player that wants to watch this or probably who the hell is Tommy McKellen. But the one thing you look at from a former player point of view is you have to want to be that player. You have to be better than individually having a little bit of talent. I was blessed yeah. at a certain period of my life where I had that. People like Marty Quinn had to pull out other aspects of you, of your character, to become a better player. And I think that's that's the challenge with it. That team in particular, Johnny, had outstanding talent, but it wasn't enough in terms of to, to win games, the ability to dig deep, the ability to stick together. And trophies, that, yeah. That is so important, you know. Assess the team when it's not doing well. Who's screaming and who's shouting and who's blaming who is so significant. I would like to think if I went to a Korean game and they weren't performing well, despite what the fans do, that the players and the management and the coaches stick together. And I think that's a big lesson from, from that year in particular. And I think that that's the collective yeah, think, is more important than what you do individually. I think that's where they are at the moment. And Cliftonville are very much the same. And, yeah. and, I, and I, it harks back to what you said earlier in the podcast, Tommy. When you think Orn has probably, bar that one season, his little sabbatical over in Scotland. Yeah. Are that I think he's been in Korea now 10, 11 years. Yes. And that that consistency, that um imprint of a manager and what yeah. he wants then permeates into the playing squad. They know what's required. And it's just that consistency, isn't it? When you're changing managers, that goes out the window. And we see it across the water in England. Yeah. Teams change managers at the drop of a hat. And where does it get them? No it gets in two, two good performances because of the rebound. But for me, if the same players are there, it's the same players creating the problems, that's necessary where a big part of the problem is. So where I think Corain, I know I've spoken at the club several times over years, and I think the, the backroom team have to take credit because there's been periods where in the former life of Corain, managers were got the sack for less. Your point there, Damien, where did it get them? This vicious circle of another manager. Another manager comes in. Well, I want to bring Damien in. No, next manager comes in. Well, I want to bring Johnny in. So there's no consistency feed yeah. to it. But if you look back at Corey in over 10 years, 
there's a consistency of player with that and they've grown with the manager and that becomes, what would you say, there's a feeling to the team. Yeah, an identity from one of the togetherness with the team. I've seen that at Corrine. I've watched it on TV. I've watched uh, watched Corrine. There's a togetherness. So just because Johnny's point about that year, I don't think that was there. And I would say that openly. Individually, fantastic. Individual matches, fantastic. But that's not what wins you won you games consistently throughout, throughout the year. So where Corain are at at the minute is that there's an impression that there's a there's a togetherness with, within that. I wouldn't say everything's perfect because it never is. No. But it seems to be more right than wrong, you know, and that's that's why I think when I look at the league now, it's a very interesting time for, for Irish league football. I think that if I look at or listen to the sound bites coming from the clubs, a lot of the clubs want to progress. So you now have a tier at the top who've invested heavily, a tier behind who are investing within their club and the wider structures of it, it's then about saying, right, are we gonna are we gonna stay on piss here? And I, I really hope so, Damien. I just think that, you know, if well, let's just focus on Corain. I'd love to see that progress even further. And there's just I think I think it I think it will, but it just just takes time, doesn't it? I mean it's yeah. just and the good I thing don't... is look the 10 years of Warren has been good time, well invested. Yeah. But yeah. that's where that's where football is fickle. What is the next step? Now, if the next step is we maintain top four, we maintain top six, that's what you become as a club. But knowing some of the people around it, I'm not too sure if that's where the level of ambition is. You know, it's more than that. Yeah, I mean, you're only ever a couple of games away from the sack as a manager in football, aren't you? I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm just looking here. I've got, I've just got the, the the fixtures up for this weekend coming up, and tomorrow night, obviously Friday night is the big one, Glen Torn at home to Linfield, right? Uh, uh, you know, Linfield lose a couple of games there, and David Healy was under a bit of pressure. Yeah, you know, it's always going to be like that. Look, Linfield will never change that. You know, they'll get beat by Glen Torn, or they'll win nine games. And they'll get beat by Glen Torn or vice versa. And having played at Glen Torn, it's like, oh, we're, we're finished here. No, no, the manager's done. That probably where Corey need to take a little bit of credit is behind the scenes as well, Johnny. I think that the, the committees, the directors, they've created their own vision for it. I think they've set their ambition a little bit higher. And whether you're running a business or you're running a club, you have to have a vision of what that's going to be. And in my last day at the club, you know, speaking to quite a few of the directors you know, behind it, I don't think they're content at the moment where they're at. They, they see opportunities to progress the club. And I think as long as the club can keep moving in direction performances, that's why the next three games are crucial. League, League Cup and Irish Cup. You know, it's the difference between having a, a boring end of season where um, things you know fizzle out or you have a great end of the season. But the other thing for Corrine as well, look at, the, look at the crowds that are coming back to the showgrounds, Johnny. Look at the numbers. Is it the second highest average home attendance? Is yeah. the highest is yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. When did that? When? When's the last time that happened? No, it's never been in my lifetime. Never. So the, that for me, from the outside looking, and the community feel for the club, the structures are maybe having a little bit of payback now. You you envision envisage, envisage that within three or four years if it can keep developing. Yeah. The academy keeps growing. Players keep coming in. You see more local talent, more Korean players. You know, playing representing the club as well. That's that's probably the exciting bit of the next number of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Johnny, you know, I mean, you work closely at the club, and you, as Tommy makes a good point. I don't think Korean are quite content where they are. I mean, off the on the pitch, they're not content because they want the challenge for trophies. 
but off the pitch, I mean, it's constantly improving um, through Colin and the board and Clement and the commercial management side of things. And we were walking through the corridor the other day towards the press box, and I think there's plans for a couple of corporate boxes there. There's like more mascots at every game than I've ever seen before in my life. The crowds are up. I mean, as Tommy refers to, it just seems to be that everybody's pulling in the same direction for the greater good, and it, it does pay off, doesn't it? Yeah, of course, and, and I mentioned this earlier as well. There's a, a more heightened probably professionalism around the club. Um, you know, you look at a match there, there hasn't been a match that hasn't been sponsored, ball um, mascots and ball sponsors and everything, and then you look at the crowds as well. Um, you know, with 15 or 1,600, I think, at home they were on point, which I think was the highest I think ever recorded for a game against Warren Point for a team in the Irish League. So, yeah, yeah and, sense. you know, I think as well, and, and I'm sure Tommy will probably know this from his time at Korean, but I think, you know, people are saying, ah, Korean will do this, oh, they won't spend that money, but they have spent the money now, they have reinvested into the pitch, they have spent money in another redevelopment plans, or are two corporate boxes coming in and, and everyone else, and I think, you know, the community have seen that, and, yep, Korean want to go places as well, and, and I said, and I mentioned, I probably mention this every week. But I think the better facilities that, that um, teams have, the more, more, more families you're going to attract as well. So, um, hopefully, hopefully we can we can get money soon. And, and even even knocking down that perimeter wall as well as a sign yeah. of of welcoming and an openness that maybe wasn't there previously when the wall was up. Yeah, I'm not saying it was like a prison, but it opens everything up and you know opens it opens everything to the community. It's like, yep, you can come into the you can come the show guys. I think there may be plans, I don't know, about maybe like maybe a coffee shop coming there as well where people can go and meet for I will go to the club here and go for, go for coffee and yeah. and you know fa- families can go there when they're when their children are playing and that community hub as I mentioned before. So it's been opening everything up and I'd say the people in the Valley Castle Road are probably happy as well that the <laughs> everyone's opened up and uh, maybe maybe a few extra extra coins uh, added to the value of the houses and everyone else. But always no always helps. But no look, it's, it's the, the redevelopment plans have been brilliant and and long may it continue. And hopefully that the the funds can be released um, whenever that ever happens and we can complete the, the projects in hand. That's that's a whole different uh, subject. Aye, but that that's that's a sector podcast for, for that conversation. Well, we'll not go down that uh, political football route there. I think, but. Uh, uh, Tommy, just to finish off, Johnny, what he's saying is exactly echoing what you were saying about just being a community club. And yeah. that is where the success of any club, the long-term success of any club rests, isn't it? Just getting yeah. that community back in and support. Well, and look, for, for Corey, now, that, that's ultimately going to come down to the people associated with it. You have to buy into that vision, that brand of what Corey is now. So whoever's involved in your underage coaching, whoever's involved in your academy, whoever's involved in the coaching reserve team, to the community, to the ex-players coming in, to hospitality on the day. That's one vision. And it's got to be for the betterment of Coleraine Football Club. And if you're not, why are you there? You know, everybody has to be focused on, on that vision. And I think that's coming from the chairman. I think that's coming from the manager. That's a unique relationship that they have. That's why I keep referencing if they can keep that level of success on the pitch, it buys you time then to transfer that vision for, for the wider for the for the wider club. You know, and it's great to see it. it. It hasn't been there. But I remember having conversations with Ian McFall back in the day, and he had visions for that. But why it didn't work for Ian, because not everybody was ready yeah. for that vision. People see different times, there. Tommy. Exactly. And it, look, in life was it tell you, you know, things come together. 
at certain times. There's no rhyme or reason to it, but I think now we have a, a, a gathering of people who really buy in and they have the real, the, what would you say, the betterment of Corinne at heart? And if you have it that, takes, you think it takes it work. It yeah, does. I, mean, I don't I mean, think you, people realize how much time goes into doing these things. That's horrendous, probably. You probably were there and you remember games. We, you know, we're talking about the crowds being up. I mean, you probably remember days and maybe there were about three, four hundred loyal, diehard fans at a game back in days when Korean weren't going so well. Oh, yeah. I remember one of my first game was, I remember Ian McFall coming from Newcastle with the Korean. I was watching the first game and the level of abuse Ian McFall took, he just left Newcastle a month earlier. You know, I've been there when Kenny, Kenny Shields, Marty Quinn, Felix. I remember, I remember distinct games where the level of abuse that was coming, but unfortunately, I remember too. That that's that's football, you know. Whether we mm. like it or we don't like it, you know, pe- people have football under their skin, and how how people react to it is differently. But when you have two two and a half thousand people coming to games, something is winning somewhere, Damien. Something's yeah. getting across to to that, and we football has to be looked at as as a mo- there's a business model there. So yeah. how do you transfer to local schools? How, do you, how does the club still stay engaged with the local junior football teams? How do they get involved with, with youth clubs, with organisations, with businesses? You know, that, that's part of the wider arena of the club. And it seems to go well. Johnny says, match sponsorships, player sponsorships, they're high. There was a, it wasn't that long ago, Johnny, where they were begging people to take on a sponsorship. So long, long may that continue, you know. And again, we have to bring this back to football itself, you know. But you watch the players... They seem to be playing for the shirt. That's I key. Could be, I could be wrong, but, but that, 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 a lot that, of the that feedback is that, Damien. Yeah, they, they, it looks, the supporters can identify with the players because they can see that the players, when they go out, give 100%. And that's all, as a supporter, that's all you want from a player, isn't it? 100% and whatever exactly. happens after that. Yeah, it, it is. Look, if you say a lesson as a player, as a manager, or if you're that way in thinking, if a player gives everything to you, what more can you ask? You know, you can't uh, ask for more. I grow older as a as a as a father. You know, there's many lessons of being a dad that you take on and you look back at football. You know, if your kids are trying their best at school, they're trying their best at work, and they're trying to be their best at home. There's really so much you can do. And then that, that's you, all you can ask for. You know, you keep you keep your players happy, you keep your supporters happy. And just something Johnny mentioned earlier that the, the vision for Corey should always had to be that you didn't feel intimidated when a club like Linfield came or Glen Torrin came. And to do that, you must match at least or better their standards. If they've got 10 footballs, you have 15 footballs. If they're got two bags of cones, you have three bags of cones. If their players are out 16 minutes early, you're out 17 minutes earlier. And that, that's something that comes across from your management and to your coaches and that you have to want to be better. So I'm going to go back to Johnny's earlier point about that specific team. You can't be good in glimpses. You've got to be good consistently, and that's what good teams are. And that's where, you know, Corrine, that is the target now. They're nearly there with that, but there's still that little bit of a jump. And it's just nice having the conversation with you because you can see it closer than I can. I see it by listening and, you know, watching what's going on. But it's it's very much an exciting time at the club, I have to say. It it is. And just just something, just pick up on what you said there about keeping your players happy and, and competing and stuff. And it's no coincidence that over the summer, the club, probably at Oren's request, upgraded the whole changing room for the players. 
So they have the best of facilities now. Yeah. They have a, a new walkway in and they're going to put the plans to put pictures up and, and have it all uh, 4G surface bringing it in and just lifting the whole thing. And you've been a player, Tommy, and when you see a club making efforts to help you as a player, that obviously you you want to reciprocate that, don't you, and do your best on the pitch? Yeah, you do. And look, I'll, I'll focus this on my own times at Corian. Um I've no bother saying it. I don't think that the desire or the ambition in previous teams I was involved in was to be that. I don't think the leadership within the team was about being more than that. Should it have been? Certainly, because that's the lessons that's been learned at the club now that do, do I get the fact, let's have the best infrastructure we have. Let's have the best gym environment. Let's have the best coaches around us. Let's have the best of everything. That's not to say you're going to get the best, John. But if you're aiming in that direction, yeah. you'll certainly get there a lot quicker. Then if you've got players that buy into that vision, what are they going to do at training? They're going to prepare better. They're going to train better. They're going to recover better, which means they're more ready for a Tuesday. They're more ready for a Saturday. Those are the things that have to change within the game that it's not necessarily about who's got the best contract, who's got this. You have to want to be a certain type of player. you know. And, and what, I, what I see within Corey and certainly at the minute there's a lovely work ethic to them. You know, I don't see teams over overrunning them, Johnny. I don't see them, you know, overbullying them or getting on top of them. Corian are a match for anyone in terms of that. In many ways, they probably, if you look at the full-time teams, it's, it's going to become harder. But that's why I think Corian now have to try and retain, you know, what they're doing. They're going to have to keep challenging harder than probably the other teams to, to get the players that they want as well. But the good thing that Orange seems to have is a relationship with other clubs. A lot of the Belfast players who may be seen as surplus to requirements are very good players and they come to Corain, they have a point to prove. And I think they've done that in recent years. And certainly Marty Quinn picked up on that very quickly when he went from Cliftonville to Corain at the start. You know, one of the best players that I'd seen, certainly Stephen Beatty, always stood out for me, was head and shoulders. How he ended up at Corain beyond me, but I only had a season with him, but I still talk about him as a, as a player. I still talk about Wes Lamont. Wes Lamont was one of the best players I'd ever been around in a dressing room. Came from Linfield to Corain. You know, Damien, Johnny, you're not old enough to remember the infamous day, coincidentally, that Cliftonville won the league. Corain v Linfield. What was that? 12.30 kickoff. Mm -hmm. And Cliftonville was three o'clock. I'm trying to remember who was it. It wasn't Glenn Torn. I'm trying to remember who the game was. But we uh, played, and I remember playing that. I mean, Lee Feeney was playing. I mean, he was playing in midfield with a bit, bit of rivalry that year. And Linfield absolutely battered us that day. I mean, battered us. And Wes Lamont, the game he had, Johnny, that day. And I remember <laughs> him coming in at full time. He took both boots off. He took his top off and his gloves off. And he fired it at everybody. In the, in the, and he came in. And he read the riot act. And he says that, he says, I'm so disappointed in every one of these. And we're going, you know, I'm only a young player. I'm 19, 20 years of age thinking, we've just held Lumfield. We've done really well. There's a massive crowd. The atmosphere's great. It's the end of season. No, that, that's probably that opening where I've seen it. It had to be about more than that. Yeah. You know, he says, you just can't do that against Lumfield. He says, you didn't do it against Balamina last week. Or you yeah. didn't do it against somebody. Or you didn't do it against Oma Town. And that always stayed with me. And for, for that reason, Wes was that, you know, example of where 
certainly I changed as a player over the years that you had to sacrifice yourself a little bit. It became about the team. It became about the club and not necessarily. So th- those are definitely lessons. I keep them back to that Team Johnny reference. And that's the thing. But, that's the thing. But, but Tommy, what you say is so true. And Johnny is young enough. And Johnny, with the greatest of respect, he's been spoiled over the last couple of years <laughs> now, Johnny or Tommy. Yeah. Because what you're saying is so, so true for years following Korean. Any supporter would tell you that Korean would have raised their game and got a result against Linfield or a result against Glentorn on the big games when there was a big crowd and they would have went out the next week against, a, no disrespect, to a Nuri or a Dungannon yeah. or whoever it happened to be, and they would have either lost or drawn. And they had that for years and years. Yeah. And now Johnny is spoiled watching, as as many of the younger Korean supporters, because they don't see that now. Korean, every single game are competitive yeah. They may lose some, of course, because that's football, but they're least challenging and competitive in every single game. Generally, isn't that right, Johnny? Yeah, 100%. And I, I mention that as well quite often that I feel really spoiled with, with how we do, and especially with, with all the full time clubs and, and everyone else elsewhere. You know, we're still competing um, up there and challenging and, and getting in the cup finals and as well as that there. You know, it's weird because between Orange two spells, I think he was unbeaten in something like 52 matches as manager of Korean. Like, it's, <laughs> like it's just crazy numbers. And, you know, so, yeah. And, but we, we've the infrastructure there now. We're, we're getting there. You know, we've the players there. We've the manager to, to keep on going. And Paul made a good point, you know, to be, how, how do you continue to, to challenge them teams with, by staying within your limits as well? But that's, that's for boys with, with more brains and, and, and more football and the like than me, they, they find out. But, yeah, it's going to get tougher, but you know we haven't been blown away yet by those full-time teams who are maybe two or three years under their cycle. So, and I think I think uh, Colin McKendry, the chairman, and Oren, and the backroom staff, Tommy rightly mentioned earlier, Winky and Paul Owens and Trevor, etc. They relish the challenge of trying to compete with the the, the full-time teams. I think that brings another dimension out in them because they want to show that. They can still uh, compete, Johnny, and you would probably see that from talking to Oren as well, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course. And, and, and Oren's very meticulous in the way that he probably gets more stressed probably about the teams, probably more bottom down to the table and the teams above. You know, and Tom made a good point. You know, the players when Linfield comes down or Glentoran comes down, you know, you raise yourself because it's them. Whereas you know, you need to roll your sleeves up and, and dig in and against the likes of you know your cars and bananas and. And Oren's quickly remind that that it's three points against Lungan as it's three points against Linfield. And that's no disrespect to the two to Lungan. But um, yeah, it's full time teams coming down. Look, we haven't really disgraced ourselves against any of them yet. Obviously, Glencorn just before Christmas is probably the first time you could probably see the difference. I think maybe full time training and part time training, they were very good that night. But look, um, it's a one off game in 90 minutes. And sure, we, drew, we, we nearly got a draw against Glencorn the last time as well. It took the last month for them to beat us. So, um, yeah, the, I, I don't see a massive gap full-time teams to part-time teams whenever we yeah. come up against them. It, um, it sounds more, when you say a team's full-time, it sounds like it's something grand, <laughs> you know, yeah. but uh, personal experience, you, you want to be one of those players that if you're playing against, players have to lift themselves at Corain. So I'm sure from Oren, there's an expectation that they look after themselves, they train that a little bit more yeah. than not with the club. So yeah. the difference is not as, as vast as it, as it could be. You know, I think as I've 
go on later in life, you, you see that within, within other sports, that if you have a real commitment to it and you have a desire to be a better player, that's where, for me, the selection of the players that Coyne have at the minute, there's that good work ethic, which is so important. They're very committed. There's a togetherness within the squad. That is so important, you know. Um, in, in any sport, doesn't matter what you follow, you know, it's the, the, the togetherness is what really makes the difference for, for any club. You can bring, you know, a gathering of players. See, once that, that spark hits Johnny and it's right, it's, yeah. it's crazy what you can achieve, you know, and that's the good good teams will always stand out like that. The like good teams will always go back. Damien, the teams, that, and they think about that camaraderie that they had. Yeah. Well, teams they have had that over recent seasons. And Oren, Oren is very particular about who he brings in as well and, yeah. and, and, that, and that grip and, and that reflects in what you're saying that there seems to be a, a togetherness and as we said at the outset at the start of the programme I think Tommy and you said there were similarities between Corena and Cliftonville and you can see the same at the, at the Reds as well that Paddy and that group seem to be very very tight don't they as a group of players and, and a club they, they are I think look Sometimes things just the stars align, and that that's uh, where you're at. It just takes the right person to come in. You know that when Oren left, you know things didn't happen the way you know for, for others. But when Oren came back in, he's able to do that. So the fit is right at the moment. You know, and oh, that's why I keep saying over time you have to keep matching that level of expectation with performance and how the team's doing. But no, but they bring it back. I know we talked about it within the podcast. You look at the three games. That's what that's what makes it so interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, it has a bigger significance than just the game itself. You know, how we do within the cup. Let, let's be honest. Corey Money won a trophy. At the end of the season, there's only so many trophies that you can win. Right. It's nice to look back and say, well, we won one of the trophies last year. Mm -hmm. At the same time, for Corey, sitting outside the top six is not acceptable anymore. It's not. You know, that if, we, if we're being totally honest in terms of what we talk about here, outside the top six is not good enough. You know, the, the teams, with all respect to them, behind Corrine, um, Corrine should be nowhere near them, teams below them. Yes, you can have the argument that teams above them are investing heavily and they're going full-time, but no one Paddy and no one Oren, you know, they're, they're both teams. Well, Club will sit where third at the moment. Mm -hmm. I would say with less of a squad than Corrine has. So doing mm -hmm. quite well. So Corey mm -hmm. himself have got to be saying, right, we want to be catching the teams ahead of us. And that's why the next couple of games have so much significance because it's a difference of a nervy end of the season to a, a quite successful season. I have to say, you know, we even just talking today in the podcast about those games, etc. I'm getting excited for them because yeah, they're there's, big not, games. There's, there's not there's not much between those two teams. No, and no. those three games, they could go either way and all three of them, Johnny, massive games in their own right, but in the totality of the season, as Tommy says, they're huge. They're yeah. three massive games. Yeah, they are, and it sort of reminds me of, like, we, we had the same against Crusaders, I think it was Orange's first or second year in charge, they they beat us in the League Cup final, they beat us in the Irish Cup, and then they beat us in the League, they knocked us out of Europe as well, so um, hopefully, hopefully that doesn't repeat itself on the other side of North Belfast, <laughs> but you know, it's but they are big games, and, and that's why I probably feel spoiled in a way that you know I can go and the nerves will be shred and everything. But that's what you want. And Irish Cup final, the Irish Cup quarterfinal is going to be on TV. We've got a good record with quarterfinals and TV. We always bring it. We'll bring a really good crowd. Like the league game, well. yeah. The league game as well. So yeah, look, lot to be excited for. Uh, and just hope that we can get the, the three points and then move on to the to the cup game. 
we'll just get uh, we'll, we'll, as as Oren would say, or, or as Paddy McLaughlin would say, it's one game at a time. One so we'll, we'll, time. Concentrate, we'll just concentrate on Saturday and, and see how the, the land lies after that. Uh, well, here, guys, we've had a, a great conversation. We could probably talk for hours, Tommy, just about uh, time and football, yeah. etc. I mean, in the round overall, you look back in your career, just happy and positive thoughts and memories from your time at all your different clubs. Definitely. And I think how, how many young players from where I came from and what the time I came from got the experience of things that I experienced? Not, not, not very many. You know, football's a lesson in life. It's a university in itself. You know, the ability to meet people like yourselves, the ability to meet good players, go to different environments, travel different countries, play in different competitions, you know, and that can't be taken away, you know, and I've, I've experienced that with family, you know, Eddie um, at, at the same time as well, you know, I've managed to represent Derry City. So there's so many things I'm so thankful for. And I think, I don't mind saying I'm 45 now, I look back and it's important, uh, just as I grow older as a person, that we, we try and find that positivity and you get to that point in life where Johnny's a young man. There'll always be negativity, you know. It's just, it's just life, and you tend to gravitate towards it. But I think yeah, that's older, true. how we treat people and the environments that we find them in, we should keep them as positive as we can. So I definitely look back in my career, Corinne especially. The, the the bulk of my senior career was, yeah. I look at that from the age of thirteen, was around a senior environment. So I, I've been immersed in it for so long. I've had numerous highs, so many lows, you know, but. Yeah. but there's so many Damien there's so many again it's, it's just a metaphor for life isn't it highs lows and it's how well, you just deal with it the last game that I went back to was it was it Ivan was unveiled that day as well you know those are players that I'd heard about but you got mm-hmm. to know them over the years and their 60s and 70s they're still as passionate about it now as I am talking to you that that will never change you know you'll always think back to but you remember when you played that? You remember playing that? The one thing that just annoys me as I get to this stage in life is that this, well, my era was better than your year and so on and so forth. I think you've got to take the years as they happen. And if you're a good player in the 80s, you'd have been a good player in the 90s. Absolutely. If you're a good player in the 90s, you'd be a good player now. I don't believe in this. Other players now are better. No, the environment's different. The pitches are different. The training preparation's all different. So you should be a different player. But I would certainly always go back to the 80s anyway, and I think back as a, as a, a golden era of watching yeah, football. Because we had great great teams, tough times politically within, within where we lived, and awful pitches. And I think back to the type of football that was played. It was unreal. You know, that, <laughs> that was the era that I grew up watching senior football, and that'll always stand out for, you know, for me. So that's why and I think back to 82 Spurs at the showgrounds, fabulous day, massive crowd, and you've Ardilis and you've got Hoddle and you've got all these players and you're thinking, whoa, how blessed are you? So, you know what? I'll always, I'll just think back. I've got too many good memories. Well, that's it. It's, it's good to concentrate on the good and and in terms of the positivity, you're still carrying that on in your own business up in, in Derry. It's like a, a fitness know, business and I know that the, the positive reaffirmation of life and stuff is a large part of what you're doing. It is, you know, I, I'm blessed that I, I have a my gym with my family, my brother, my sister were all involved. My two sisters were all involved in it. Uh, it's a lovely community environment. That I still work in the, my own community uh, back in Derry. I feel I'm always giving something back, and it's really rewarding. So there's two aspects to my life that I'm very thankful for. But I'm blessed. I have a I have a great family around me, and 
you know, no matter what, Damon Johnny, that's the most important thing. And I think once you get that right, everything else is, is a bonus. You know, I'm I'm blessed with a great family and I've got three amazing kids, you know, and that's what's my biggest success. It's always going to be that, you know, in my in my 20s, all I cared about was football. No. There's nothing wrong with that, by the <laughs> way. But when your first child is born, you go, there's more to life than I... just getting beat on a Saturday. By the way, and I oh. always say this to players, but it makes you more determined once you've got family and you see other aspects of life because you realize why you're doing it more so. I think as a young player, that's all there is. But once you have family, it becomes even more significant. But you, you can let it, at least let it sit for a couple of days where I couldn't back then. Johnny, I hope you're listening. I hope you're listening to all this that Tommy's talking about. I think uh, I put Tommy. You're, I, put, you're, you're... <laughs> I put Tommy on mute there for the last last thirty seconds. <laughs> I just heard you mention wedding. That's all I earlier. So that's over to you. That's your own pressure. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, that's uh, listen. We all have it. We all life says, You know, when you're in your twenties and and you're on your own, it's football's a big thing and the results and then yeah. you have children and you get married and then you have a life and, and then gradually things change and generally change for the better too so uh, you know Johnny you have it all in front of you great can't wait bring it on and you, even just in finishing not, not that I'm comparing anyone to Pep Guardiola but he gave an amazing interview a few months back and he was talking about Phil Foden and he says there's Phil Foden at the moment he's a young player and it's just football he says, full phone at some point will become uh, a partner, will become a dad, will become, and there'll be challenges in his life. And he says, we must reset how we evaluate players at different times. And I think that's a lesson for a lot of clubs because as players get older and things change, you know, I think back to when I became a dad for the first time, the sleepless nights and everything and the impact that had, unless the players and the coaches and the team are aware of things like that there, you know, you can judge a player in different ways and, I think that's one thing that's changing within football. We see more than just football now. You have to get a sense of a player of what their home life is like, what their commitment is to it. And, you know, the two teams that we've talked about today, I think you've got two yeah. managers that maybe see that, Johnny, to be honest. It's, it's nice to see it, to be honest. As a player looking back now, you're probably thinking, I'd love to have played in one of those teams. You know, you'd love to have been around that there. And that's probably the biggest compliment I can pay them. Yeah, no, 100% wouldn't argue. Like, Warren, as a teacher... Um, those people at different ages and everyone that's where I think he comes into his own you know we had, we had Andrew Mitchell there uh, on our podcast last week we were saying from from Lindhorn he was saying that because he's a teacher and Oren's a teacher he sort of was able to work out you know and, and how he thinks and how he deals with life and everyone else yeah. and he's, Mar- he's a Mari man as well so yeah Oren very very meticulous and I'm sure it's exactly the same with Paddy at Pivmo but I, I remember, I always remember just something that you're saying there, Tommy, that um, Lyndon always had said to me that when he was out in those times that he had those horrific injuries and he was out for such a long time, really, there was supposed at the time there was fears of whether he would play, etc. And you had mentioned that, Tommy, about it being a lonely time being injured. Yeah. And I always remember Lyndon said that on different occasions, his phone would go and it was Orn and Orn would ring him and say, what are you doing? And Lyndon, you know, I'm just here. And Orn would say, right, I'm coming around to take you out for coffee and stuff. And, and Lyndon so much appreciated that because he was feeling sorry for himself and down. And, yeah. and, and Orn didn't have to do that, but he... That's a mark of a different person, Damien. Mm. That's where somebody sees beyond football. And there's yeah. an era of managers and all they see what happened at three o'clock. It may have worked for them. 
but I think life has changed now in, in the the social environment that we live in now. Yeah. You have to be more aware of more aspects. You have to treat your players differently, how you speak to them and communicate to them. And everybody needs something a little bit different. And it's amazing what you achieve over a cup of tea or a coffee and the significance of that. But able to communicate and stay in touch with people is, is vital. And I think that's where probably the, it's a challenge for modern clubs and modern managers. But um, Oren just seems to be getting it right at the moment. So he is. Just finally, Tommy, would management, football management, be something for you? I mean, you talk like you could be a good manager. <laughs> um, my life, and, and I always thought that that was, that was always the end game. Uh, right up until I finished playing, it was certainly, you know, where, where I thought. I think I've had a natural break from, from football. Some Johnny mentioned there. I think I was meant to have that break. Me as a person, the intensity of it, I think I was meant to go and experience different things. Will it happen? I'm not, I'm not sure. In life in general, I manage projects. I manage different things. That's how I do things. Um, but certainly not envious of people because let's get one thing very clear. It's a very difficult job. Mm-hmm. Don't underestimate how much that they are taking on. Their own family life that's upset. Their, their own working life. You know How much the football takes over time-wise. So it's a massive commitment. It's the same as the, the guys that come in, Johnny, to the academy, to the reserve team, to the youth team. These guys are worth their weight in gold. To, to the guy that coaches my young kid at six years of age, you know, these are people who give up their time for something. So I've nothing but respect for them. It's nice actually to be around it, talking football. And that's the one thing I'll probably never lose to you, man. I just, you love, love talking football. football and <laughs> you love to analyze it and, and see how things are going. So yeah. I don't think I'll ever lose that. You know, I sit with my dad three times a week and I watch football. And every one of them, you think you're a pundit because you're trying to analyze the game. And it's great. I love that. I really do. You know, the last game we went to the showgrounds with my dad, we sat and that's what we talked. We come down the road, back down the mountain. We talked about, you know, why did he do that? Why that? Mm. Why was that changed and that? That's about that maybe I missed you yeah. know, at that period when I left, left football. But it, it's just lovely to be around, you know. And I'm blessed, you know. I, I do things now that I never thought I would do, you know. I took up hobbies I never thought I would take up, you know. And I'm, I'm still active and I'm still fit and healthy. So for that, I'm eternally blessed. So I am. I never thought I'd be running marathons, you know. I just no, no, a psychopath no. does those type think, of things. Johnny, Johnny, you've done half marathon. Did you, did you do a marathon, Johnny? No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 10K, that was enough. And then uh, Ashley has. <laughs> a, I don't know. I, that was enough. I, you, you've absolutely <laughs> killed me here. And then I, I signed you up to do a half, but it's three to my half, and then I, I tore my, my meniscus and my, my right knee. So, oh. yeah, I haven't run it yet. I finished playing football and I never once in my head thought, like, I'll do anything, but not, not to drag like too long. I remember finishing playing. Eamon Doc, Sean Hargan, to, he says, right, we're swimming and we're going to do a triathlon. He says, nothing else to do. I'd never swam, I'd never cycled a bike. So it suddenly gave me something else to focus on. And within yes. years, I've been around um, that environment and I started taking up running. And if you'd have said to me when I was playing, you're going to run 5Ks or half marathons. And I said, Damien, you're a psychopath. There's no way I'm going to be doing that. <laughs> it's one of the greatest things I've ever taken up, you know, and I, and I run nearly every day. And I, it's just, it, it almost... headspace. Yeah. It, it becomes, not, it's like a drug or something, isn't it? Almost like it just gives you that endorphin. I, I yeah. think when, once you're a competitive person, you're always a competitive person. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't change. So in my head, I'm trying to keep my 19-year-old son behind me. Yeah. You know, I, I had that attitude as a player. 
I play with some amazing younger players that they came through, and I look back now as an older player. And what motivated you? Likes a preseason. I want to be ahead of Johnny. Yeah. If Johnny's coming in, <laughs> and I, you had to learn to have a poker fist. So, how you, how are you feeling? I'm grand. Uh, you're absolutely killed because you're trying to keep ahead of someone. You know, you're trying to catch Stephen Carson, and you're trying to catch big Steve. You know, cast and stuff, and you're like, oh my god, it gets harder and harder. Every that's that's, year, a, that's so. just like a that's like a personal pride thing to you, isn't it? Oh, it, it is, it is. Look, trust me, and but that's the bit you know that, that you take away from it. It really is. But here, you listen, you've you got plenty of good memories, and, and that's the main thing. And um, hopefully, Johnny, by the end of the season and the end of this trilogy with the Cliffinville that we've talked so much about, that we'll have good memories as well. Um, but whatever happens, we know that. Games are going to be tight, and both teams are and both clubs are going to give their all. So, Tommy, I would like to just thank you very much because I know you're Pleasure. a very busy you're a very busy man. I know you've probably got some gym classes to look after there or something, have you? Oh, well, I'm not even begin to tell you what I'm avoiding at the <laughs> moment, but I'm glad of the distraction. I've really, really enjoyed Aye. it. So, look, guys, I think. People in the club know I just love talking about it or, or being around it, so it's a pleasure. It really. Is. Will, we, will, will we see you down at the showgrounds anytime soon? There's a plan in the next couple of weeks. Uh, my dad and brothers are hoping to come down to see Brilliant. a couple of games, and my, my two sons are, are really keen to go back. So Brilliant. it's really it's more just time and and, and fitting it in. Yeah. But you know, um, we we've planned over the next couple of weeks to get back down. But that's that's such a good thing. Um, I think it's that community thing that we had talked about earlier um but it i mean i noticed it the other night i think we were playing who was it we were playing my memory's not good um and i happened just to be standing at the press box looking in the stand and the thing that struck me was that it's the that community that we talk about on a tuesday night it was the same sort of faces sitting in the same sort of seats talking to the same sort of people that they only see at games and I just thought, what a great, what a great thing it is for some people of all ages and, and, yeah. and different, you know, to be able to go once, twice a week and do a catch up with people that maybe they only see at the matches. And I thought, what, what a great thing. And it, it shows too, Damien, that the impact that COVID's had on people's lives yeah. over the last two years. Yeah. And that's really, let's not underplay the significance of football at a local level, at a club. You know, I know people that missed an older generation, people have passed away, you know, really, really tough times. So I, I don't think we can underplay the impact that it's had. And I think clubs have a massive role to play as we come out of COVID the next couple of years, but reconnecting, you know, families, reconnecting communities. I think our, our clubs have a big role to play in that. And there's definitely people that Tuesdays and Saturdays is their life. Yeah. It is. And uh, how special is it to be a football supporter? You know, a lot of us as players weren't supporters. Because we're so focused on playing, but you know, supporters are the life and they're the blood and they're the heartbeat of, of the yeah. team. You know, and is there as an players, identity, see, as you it? get that, you understand the frustrations, and then you want to please them even more. And ultimately, I always think supporters are, are honest, decent people. They just want to see someone play for that shirt. You ask any any supporter, what's the thing they remember coming off? Yeah, they'll remember a great pass and a great goal. But you remember Damien put a shift in, didn't they? Johnny worked really hard. You could see it meant something to him. Yeah. There's a difference of it meaning something and players that pretend that it means something to them. And the difference of Corey now is that you've got players that you can really see that it, it means a lot to play, yeah. play for the club and they play for their, their manager. So, and uh, they, play for each, they, play, they, play for, they play for each other. Which oh, is it, it's, it stands out. And I have to say, 
uh, one of the best games I've seen on TV in recent times was Clinville home to Glen Torn. Back was excellent, excellent game. Watched it with my sons. Watched it with my dad, and we all remarked. Even my my youngest went, "Geez, that was a brilliant game, wasn't it?" Mm-hmm. Who's usually watching the Premiership and getting spoiled, you know, <laughs> watching it in one of our own games at a local level and saying, "Dad, I really enjoyed that." I thought it was, I thought it was a fantastic game. I I, re, I really do. So if you can get any of those as a supporter the next couple of games, I tell you what, the Irish League is definitely. I do I do think football north and south is in a very very exciting position. You know, League Ireland's no different at the minute. You know, you Bose and Pats. You know, big you things Damien expected. Of Shel- massive Damien Duff at, at Shelburne. You look at the caliber of players that are coming back, getting involved in clubs as well. Derry is one they watch this year. I think yeah. so. I mean, Johnny, I, you look at really you look at you look at the money that uh, Derry have spent, brought in players and Jamie McGonagall. We all know him very well. And Derry, as Tommy says, Johnny Derry said it would be worth watching this season. I think. Yeah, obviously, I was speaking to, to Jamie last week, and he said I think it was only like twenty-eight players at training they had um, one of their training sessions there. So um, plenty of competition for places there. Aren't we? Um, they got filled two teams, but yeah, look, um, they they brought in fantastic players, Duffy and Michelini and. And Smith as well. Um, so yep, the pressure's going to be on them to, to, to deliver. And but whenever you players they got there and, and Higgins Rory's done a great job there as well. Yeah. So um I think, yeah. Johnny, what's really interested them is the caliber of young managers <sighs> across the leagues. You know, there's an interest alone of watching them, their body language, how they conduct themselves and the squads that they assemble. I just think this would be a great time to have an all-Ireland. Cup competition. When I yeah. look at the standard of teams, you know, the, the, the cups that used to be there in the past, it's not there. It'd be an interesting time to see the teams pitched against each other. So it would. Yeah. I, I think I think we'd all like that. A, a Korean Derry City game would be quite uh, tasty. I would have thought right now. After, you know, I I've always been quite open. I at some point I'd love to see Derry City back in the league and, and you know and, so and what what life that would bring in itself. But I think that would know, be that, huge for the conversation. league. It would for me. That's where where we go to uh, as a as a country or where we go as a community is important. But at some point down the road, uh-huh. Derry City being back up in Corain or back up at Windsor. You no, know, there's they're massive games in themselves, so they are. But I think over time you'll see you'll probably see things change. Here, that sounds that sounds like a plan, but that's for that's for another day. That's another podcast. That's, that's, for, podcast. that's for people above our, our station. So, uh, <laughs> it certainly is. Right. Well, here, Tommy, thank you very much for your time, and uh, I hope you, you your business keeps flourishing. I keep an eye on it and on social media, and you're doing really well. And um, we'll see you at the showgrounds hopefully in a couple of weeks, and you'll bring yeah. your family with you. Um, well, sure, guys. We look forward to that. And Johnny, as ever. Thank you very much for your time and your input. And we will be, I'm trying to, am I driving this Saturday? Yeah. <laughs> aye. 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 Yeah. Sounds good. To get, the, get the wagon. Take advantage of him, Johnny. That's what sounds, sounds good. I'll, I'll get the crate of beer on there. You get you get the coffees <laughs> in and I'll drive. There you are. So, um, well, maybe I'll take it. Good. Well, here, man, thanks very much. Um, it's been a pleasure. It's been a great afternoon talking. And um, to everybody out there listening, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. As ever, feedback, always appreciate it. Um, and we look forward to speaking again next week. Thank you very much for listening. Yes, guys, take care and all the best.